Okay, maybe later. She's, you know, like she went up to the door, and then when I w- went over to like open the door, she like ran away back into the corner of the room because she's like, no, no, I just want your attention. I don't want to be let out of the room. Like, I just wanted you to come over here and like look at me. Yeah, she's just sitting on the corner of my bed now, like looking at me. So, look at me. Look at me. I'll eat your eyes while you're sleeping. Mm, okay. Well, you, at least you have something to look forward to. Yeah. Take it away, there. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. Shut up. <laughs> like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and edit Whatever it is. Just <laughs> 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 get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, guys. Welcome back to another... Palm tree horrific snow capades tastic episode of Fan Holes Comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. I am joined by one, count them, one of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everyone know who's here tonight? Hey, it's Mike. And I'm trying not to fly into a berserker rage. Is it, are, are you Hawkeye and I'm Wonder Man? Or yes. am I Wonder Man and you're Hawkeye? Oh, I don't know, actually. Yeah, I, I didn't know if you wanted to claim ownership on Hawkeye. So yeah. I'm, 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 willing, I'm willing to be either. But I feel like we're the lone two West Coast Avengers left on the podcast oh, yeah, that, at the moment. Stay, yeah. I don't know. Do you have a mullet? Uh, I can, uh, yeah, I mean, my hair's pretty long. It's not a mullet, yeah. but I mean, it can, you can probably can sub for like, yeah, I, I can, I can pass. Yeah. I can pass for Wonder Man right now. Yeah. I used to, I used to act. Yeah, that works. <laughs> All right. So yeah, yeah. So, so spoilers, uh, the, the, the first comic that we're going to be talking about tonight is a story from the spinner rack. It is a comic I bought off the spinner rack. I think it was from quick stop. The title is West Coast Avengers, issue number 37. Of course, it was published by Marvel Comics. The cover date was October 1988, but the actual on-sale date was June 7th, 1988. The cover price was a whopping 75 cents, the cover price that I am most accustomed to as as a comics reader. The title of the story is Avengers Disassemble. Long, long before uh, Brian Michael Bendis' shitty crap, I was reading this. Avengers what are you talking about? Disassembled. That yeah. was a totally original idea. When <laughs> totally original. Totally original. And, uh, no, it, it, don't let a good title go to waste. 
The writer of Avengers Disassemble was Steve Englehart. The penciler was Al Milgram. The inker, Mike Macklin. The letterer, Bill Oakley. Colorist, Paul J. Becton. And editor, Howard A. Mackey. And here is, I, I don't think this is a Justin style synopsis. I, I, I wrote some details, but I tried to keep it, keep it slim. When Hawkeye and Mockingbird can no longer resolve their differences after the death of the Phantom Rider, the West Coast Avengers team breaks up along with their marriage. Mockingbird leaves the West Coast compound, taking Moon Knight and Tigra with her. While on Hawkeye's side, Hank Pym must leave the team to be the caretaker for his long-thought-dead wife, Maria, who recently helped defeat the villain, The Voice. With the Wasp on her way out the door, this leaves Hawkeye and Wonder Man as the remaining members of the team. However, the Vision and Scarlet Witch agree to end their leave to bolster their depleted ranks so long as one of the team can watch their children, Billy and Tommy. As if by providence, the Avengers' former ally, Mantis, walks up on the front lawn ready to join the team. But then, out of nowhere, she begins a one-woman assault on Hawkeye, Wonder Man, The Vision, and Scarlet Witch. Hawkeye quickly deduces that Mantis's sudden aggression was brought on by their old foe, The Voice. Once brought to Mantis at Arrow Point and forced to relinquish his hold over her, the combat ceases. Mantis then explains how she is missing her recent memories and the West Coast Avengers agree to help. Avengers, assemble! And that is the kind of short and sweet synopsis of West Coast Avengers, issue number 37. Basically, what you can learn from this is that I was a mark. I, I was a simp for the little the little caption that told you to find out more go read such and such because if you if you follow my track record it, it's like i read silver surfer 13 and 14 i picked up annual one part of the evolutionary war and the story we didn't cover some of the backup stories that we didn't cover when we covered silver surfer annual one there's a backup story with mantis waking up in her bed and basically it tells you Go read West Coast Avengers issue number 37. And that's essentially what I did. I was like, do what you're told. And so I did I did what I was told. And I went out and I, I saw this copy of Avengers, West Coast Avengers 37. And it, I mean, you know, I, I think also like the cover is pretty cool, right? Like it's kind of got the tear in the, the, the cover, but it's, yeah, it's definitely. supposed to be like the tear of the team. And, you know, it's kind of showing you like, who's at odds. And, you know, of course, we, I guess you kind of knew who the mystery woman was going to be if you were reading silver surfer, but like, you, you know, th th there's some, some aspect of ominousness to it and all that kind of stuff. So like, I, I thought that was kind of cool. I, I guess that means that those, those Marvel editor notes, the little asterisks did their job because from issue 37 i continued reading this title and then john byrne came on the book i think on 42 so then after that i was you know i i stayed on the book for at least a year you know like if not longer so i mean that this made me a a regular reader of west coast avengers but i'm i'm kind of curious like is this something that you you read as back issues like how did how did you come to this 
Oh uh, yeah, I, I read this as a back issue. Like, and I I was collecting. Like, you know, I was starting to pick up when I started to, you know, decide that Hawkeye was one of my favorite characters. I'd buy a lot of like back issues, and I'd get some from my cousin too. And I, I think I don't know if I ever owned this one, but I definitely had a physical copy at one point that I either read like at someone's house or I like you know I maybe I snagged it in a clutch of back issues. But yeah, like I've read this before and. uh you know, I've had it in my hands before, so. I feel like this is the first time I was introduced to a lot of these characters. I mean, I I think, uh, not Tigra, obviously, because we covered that Marvel team-up that was one of the earliest Spider-Man books I read. And I think I might have known who Vision and Scarlet Witch were, because Scarlet Witch was also in that Marvel team-up. And then I probably stumbled into that vision and scarlet witch book before this but i i I think for sure like moon knight like this would have been the first time i'd ever seen or heard of moon knight so and i know you're kind of fond of moon knight too yeah that that could be the same for me like i honestly don't remember the first time i ever heard of moon knight but this definitely was like early on in my like reading career so yeah like yeah like this this was really early and 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 i guess some of my notes like like if you'll notice they they actually reference like when when tigra moon knight and mockingbird go off on their own to have adventures they basically say follow their adventures in west coast avengers annual three which i'm a simp and i did like do you know what i mean like i went and bought that i think that was an evolutionary war tie-in too so i i mean there were two reasons to buy it because this issue told me to buy it and it was part of the evolutionary war so it was like those were all sort of spinner rack comics that i ended up buying but i mean i i i feel like positively moon knight and mockingbird that would have been the first time i had ever encountered either of them and this might i i i think this might have been the first time i ever encountered wonder man and and hawkeye too so this this introduced me to a lot of a lot of marvel mainstays i think i think yeah it might be the first time i ever encountered mantis like that's probably like you know the, the that's probably a safe bet. I think I mm. knew about most of these other characters, but yeah, like Mantis and Moon Knight and maybe even Tigra, like I I probably didn't know a whole lot about if I had seen them before. So like you know yeah, because I I was I I read Silver Surfer thirteen and fourteen and Annual One, so I I was introduced probably to Mantis in that range but then even when i discovered comic stores i did go back and i bought you know like i i liked silver surfer so much i ended up going and buying all the issues you know that i had missed so i i bought as back issues you know one through 12 so and she was heavily featured in those earlier Engelhart issues and then Engelhart kind of brings her over into this title you know uh i guess to sort of i don't know save his his pet character, you know, I guess in a way, right? Like he's, he's porting her over into this book so that she has a home. Right. So there's, there's that kind of aspect going on, I guess. I, I guess like it's interesting because we had the big discussion about galactic storm and I, 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 I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm, I'm tickled by the sequence where wonder man kind of looks to Wasp as a former Avengers chairperson. And he says, you know, Wasp, Jan, is it written down somewhere, this 
rule about not killing. And Moon Knight's like, yes, I am new to the Avengers. How serious is Mockingbird's infraction? You know, and like, I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it, I don't know. It, it's funny. And I, I, I love the, I don't know why. It's like, because we talk about, you know, corn shoe all the time. Like, it's like, I think my favorite is like, he's like, dude, okay, you, you can worship some obscure Egyptian god if you want, Mark. You know, but don't lay your trip on me, man. You know, and he's like, beware, Avenger. <laughs> Corn shoe is not to be mocked. You know, like, so I, I don't know, like that, 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 that aggression, I guess. I mean, I, I guess in a way that kind of channels like classic, you know, Stanley and Jack Kirby Avengers, you know, people having disagreements immediately and splitting up teams and all that kind of stuff. And admittedly, I don't think I ever I think it would have been a long time before I knew all the bad like I mean they they later issues go into the Phantom Rider a bit. Like I, I wanna say it's like issue thirty-nine has that cover with with Bobby on the cover and the Phantom Rider is like the ghost of the Phantom Rider or some shit is harassing her or whatever it is. Like, but like I don't think I knew all the details when I first read this comic like you know i just kind of knew what was told to me from the dialogue and everything like that yeah like i did i don't like i said i don't i don't remember the exact context in which i read this because i was reading a hell of a lot of stuff at one point like and like i you know i liked west coast avengers because it was like you know hawkeye's team so like i would you know look for that but I, I don't know. I probably wasn't paying too much attention. Like I didn't like reading this issue. Like I, I remembered it in broad strokes, but I didn't remember like the voice at all. Like, or mm. I was like, Oh, right. Like this guy, like this, uh, I was like, I kind of remember this guy, but not really. Like I didn't remember him being involved with this, but I, I mean, I, I kind of forgot how much like Mantis was like uh Spider-Man kicking the shit out of the X-Men and Secret yeah. Wars 3. Like where Mantis like pones the crap out of everybody. Like like even Wonder Man, like she takes she takes Hawkeye's like smoke and, and tear gas arrows and like sticks them right in his eyes and stuff. Like I, I feel like I feel <laughs> yeah, like that like... would have been played up way more if it was like a modern book. But yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it's like it's... my ionic eyes. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 kind of a fun you know action sequence or you know, whatever I, I didn't i didn't even think of it that way that it's like you know Engelhart like making his pet cat oh yeah all cool and stuff yeah you that's know, i mean that that's what it is right like i mean it's his it's it's it, uh, to me it's like his baby right so she's she's pwning the crap out of all these guys right but then hawkeye's the the team leader and and has his head on straight and he figures out like oh wait she's being you know i it's weird because i i kept wanting to write mind control in the synopsis but i'm like it's not really mind control it's like you know because he's the voice right like it's like i don't i don't know what you call that but it's like it's like verbal i don't know manipulation or something. i don't know what right compulsion. like compulsion yeah it's just it's it's interesting because it's like you put it, it's funny because there were these those issues of captain america where they they put like all these similar characters together in in acts of vengeance where it was like i think it was like the voice at one point was doing something and then the controller was doing something and it was all about how they could like top the other guy or whatever but like he he definitely was one of those characters where it's like, you know, and, and, and you could compare him to somebody like, say, like Purple Man, right? Like, it's the same idea, right? Like, he, you, you have to do what 
what what he tells you basically but then he you know hawkeye gets him to say you know mantis returned to normal and then wanda you know hexes him so that he can't speak so they can get him to the vault and everything and then and then basically then it's like okay well now we have our i guess new de facto team lineup and everything and and that pretty much ends ends the book or whatever and and like that's i i guess the other thing too was I, I just kept laughing to myself because I think they they in that flashback that Mantis has where the she comes to Avengers Mansion and the police officer tells her, oh, hey, you know, they're they're on the Hydra base now. You know, they're not they're not at the mansion anymore. He, he they, they also make a reference to Fantastic Four Annual 21. So I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, I also bought that as well. You know, so it's like that's that that basically what I got out of this was th- this issue like branched into a lot of other purchases for me, basically. I think it's funny how like <laughs> like Wonder Man and is all happy to like hang out with Vision and Scarlet Witch yeah, or whatever yeah. like because he's just like hey it's my brother and my my new sister-in-law like even though like he has the hots for her or whatever. Well, and the other thing that's funny is I it's like what not not only a few issues later especially when when Burn comes on the book there's going to be all that pathos or whatever, you know, or like yeah. when when Wanda goes all evil and starts playing with his junk or whatever she does, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he has that like poignant scene where he's like you know he's all like fucking upset and everything you know so i'm like i'm like yeah definitely like this is this is kind of like the the play nice quiet before the storm everybody's like getting along and it's like yeah i'll babysit the kids like it's gonna be great like you know my bro's here you know give me a high five viz you know like it's like like everyone's getting along except for like hawkeye and mockingbird right right you know like you know he's the leader of the team basically i I was just gonna ask because because i know i i feel like you you are more of a fan of of moon knight than i am so i i guess i just wanted to pick your brain and ask you like what do you like what do you think of moon knight's tenure with the avengers and what do you think of the the way they you know the, the the way he is interpreted and plays off like these other characters like is that something that makes sense to you do you do you prefer him more as like a lone wolf character kind of like the whole you know batman type arguments yeah i think he works better as like a lone wolf type character like the the times he's been on a like avengers team like or any team like i mean it, it's fun but like i i don't know it's it, it doesn't it doesn't fit right, I guess it, it feels like, even in this issue, like, it, it just feels like, yeah, like, he has a, you know, he's, so, I, I don't know, he's, he's so visually distinct a character, like, I, I feel like he's, he's got the design of a solo book character, I guess, I don't mm. know how to describe it other than that, but it's like, you know, when when he's standing around with a bunch of other superheroes, it's just like, hey, that dude's, like, could be, like, you know, a, that dude could be a star, like, you know, like, uh, whatever, like, I, I don't know how best to describe it, but he just usually looks off with a team. I, I, I feel like they were they were trying things because it's like they, they, they tried to have the shroud be a thing in this book for a while, too. And I feel like Moon Knight was like another attempt to to get yeah. get, get a character like that, you know, like that kind of loner with the cape and the mystery or what, whatever you want to attribute and stuff to to that character. Yeah. yeah. 
And then, like, you know, he, he, and then, like, you know, in the late, late in the 2010s, you know, he was a member of the Secret Avengers. So, yeah. I mean, like, and that, that, that was still pretty, like, you know, interesting. But, like, I, I don't know. I've just never felt he was good on a team. But I, I do, like, it's funny, like, the current Moon Knight book has, like, Tigra as, like, a get, constant, like, recurring guest star. And, like, they're okay. kind of playing up a relationship between Moon Knight and Tigra. And I like, I've always thought that was kind of a cool, like sort of idea, or at least I do now. Like, I'm like, Oh yeah, they were on like the West coast Avengers. Yeah. Together. So like, I mean, he, he, you know, that, that's one thing that, that I thought was interesting is, you know, that, that divide, it's, it's kind of like the same galactic storm divide again, only this is over, you know, essentially mockingbird getting raped. Right. Like, I mean, for the most part, right. Like that's, that's the idea anyway. And it's like, so she kills, you know, quote unquote, Phantom Rider. Like, I guess that's what, what they're calling him this week, you know? And, and then you, you have that divide where, you know, Tiger's like, look, sometimes these guys like the voice, you know, I want to, you know, I want to claw their throat out, you know? So I'm, I'm going off with you. And, and then Moon Knight's kind of like, yeah, this, this isn't, you know, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it to sum up the Galactic Storm argument, it, it, my argument would be Moon Knight, like, like nonchalantly sitting, you know, leaning on that fireplace in that one panel. It is stupid, Mockingbird. This prohibition against killing. <laughs> that's my that's my Galactic Storm argument. It is it's stupid. Stupid. It's a, if Moon Knight was there, like in space, he would have been leaning against some like rocks, like. Captain America. It is stupid. It is stupid, Mockingbird. Yeah, but yeah, I. But you know, I. I. You know, this. I guess for me, this is. This is a very much a nostalgic pick for me. You know, it's. It like I said, it's. It's not. It's not one of the earliest. I guess you know, uh, original Avengers issues I ever bought, but it is the first West Coast Avengers issue I ever bought, and it, like I said, it. It led to me collecting this book for at least a year if not longer and and picking up annuals and other things and and as i've tried to explain it kind of was like a tree right it branched off into other things whether it was you know additional avengers titles or like you know you know ending up collecting you know wonder man solo title or you know the 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 ff annual and you know the idea of like they they make reference to quicksilver and quicksilver was over in the the, the FF annual with the Inhumans and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those domino effects where you, you, you start getting introduced to new characters and then it just kind of snowballs, right? Because before you know it, you're like Mantis and humans, you know, <laughs> Fantastic Four, Lockjaw, like all this stuff just kind of comes tumbling down. But like this is, it, it, it to me, it's interesting to see because it's like, I think initially I was, very drawn to things that were either familiar or I recognized because I would, I would go for, you know, I watched Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I had the secret wars action figures with Spider-Man. So I, I focused on Spider-Man books, but also Spider-Man and his amazing friends had Iceman. So if Iceman guest starred in Spider-Man and I learned he was part of X factor, you know, it led to X factor, right? And then X factor led to the Avengers and, then they became familiar. So I picked up an Avengers comic, you know, like that kind of thing. And, you know, Silver Surfer, I just thought looked cool. Like I, I had no, 
you know, I, I had never seen the Hanna-Barbera Fantastic Four cartoon. I had no previous reference, but I just thought he it was super cool and he was in space and he had a surfboard and I thought he was awesome. And so reading that led to Mantis, led to this, you know, like, you know, again, leads to, you know, the Inhumans and the Fantastic Four and, and, and all these other other things that just kind of steamroll into one another. And before you know it, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, an expert on the Marvel universe or whatever. I always thought it was cool that Clint and Hank Pym usually have a like rapport. It mm-hmm. feels like, and like I, whenever, like I remember during like, you know, Bendis's like age of Ultron or whatever, like when I thought it was like, you know, not that Bendis ever wrote Hawkeye very like consistently or good, but when he was the one who was like, we just got to kill Hank Pym. Let's kill Hank Pym. That stupid asshole. Hank Pym. I'm like, dude, you're like buddies with Hank Pym. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, yeah, yeah, like even this, like Hank tries to like, you know, offer him console, like, you know, and like, well, yeah, just and try it, to, yeah. This, this is probably the best Hank Pym ever was, I feel like, because, because you, you, I, you know, I, I don't understand, like, to, to me, I, I feel like he had, atoned for you know the whole you know pim slap stuff and everything you know what i mean like like they're like this issue like that him and jan they're they're friends they're hugging goodbye he's trying to take care of his you know the the wife that that they thought was long dead you know they're having a chuckle about how they weren't legally married you know like like and and on top of that the the reason why he wants to talk to clint is because he's like look man as as a guy who's been divorced, like I I I want to give you a heads up. You know what I mean? Like this is this is a big deal that's about to go down right here. Like like let's take a minute and cool off and think about it and everything. And even though you know for the sake of the story and the drama and all that stuff, I mean his his advice doesn't you know uh, eventually you know n- neither party you know kind of has a cool head about it right so they they you know hawkeye and mockingbird have their split but i mean this scientist pym you know character the the character in his little jumpsuit i mean that's ironically like that that that's what always cracks me up when people have their you know defined expectations of pym and 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 how they either think he's a horrible character or or you know whatever the preconceived notion is is this was my first exposure to him and it's always like this is to me like i've always looked to that character as what i see here right like he's he's an uh, an ally to the avengers he's an intelligent guy he's a super scientist he's not you know a goofy guy that transforms into an ant he's not a goofy guy that turns into a big giant lunkhead that like you know <laughs> skis on ski boats or whatever you know like like all this kind of stuff that people have these these other preconceived notions it's like this to me is like you know the the my preconceived notion where i'm like no he's not ridiculous he's he's hank pym he's he's the scientist supreme like you know he's 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 a cool dude or whatever so it's you know to me it's it's too bad that that th- that version, I guess, had to fall by the wayside at some point, you know, because comics, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And like, you know, you know me, I like Hank, Hank Pym's another of my favorite characters. So I always, you know, 
I always thought, you know, him and Hawkeye had like, you know, a sort of like minor bromance like going on basically. So, I mean, Hawkeye did save him from Egghead. Like they yeah. bring it up, you know, he had to kill Egghead. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I I feel like, you know, I, I consider Hawkeye, you know, trying to like adhere to like the Avengers, you know, charter and like, you know, just morally being against killing to be like, you know, a trait that he should, you know, I mean, he's softened up on it, obviously, over the years, but like, it's a trait that should be present within him. And I mean, but I kind of, you know, I think we talked about it this before when we talked about like the Hawkeye and Mockingbird, like series or whatever, like, you know, it's kind of hard not to side with Bobby, like, you know, just like, you know, because I mean, she, you know, it's the the stupid Batman Begins thing. Like, you know, right. I, I'm not going to kill you, but I didn't have to save you. Right, right, right. That Well, that's what she does, right? Like, yeah. like so. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, to me, it's a tough thing, too, because you, you, you start to wonder, like, well, what's what's the, you know, you start to go into the infractions and kind of wonder, like, well, does that, you know, it, are are you... Are you thinking of things as like an eye for an eye or is are, are some things just so atrocious and horrible, you know, that that, you know, letting uh, someone die is is like kind of a, a justifiable response to that atrocity. Right. Like that's that that's the thing. And, 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 and in a lot of cases, like it's easy for people like probably like Moon Knight and Tiger to be like, yeah, this is kind of this is kind of bubkiss like we're going to. We didn't go off with Mockingbird and have adventures and stuff, you know. And it's it's funny because because that, you know, I I to me it's that it, this is very similar to Galactic Storm. It's that weird adherence to like, uh, rules and 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 kind of uh, not I don't know. It it just seems like you know there's there's to me there's more gray to it, right? Like like you you could. You could make the argument like, well, do do all rapists deserve to be killed or should they just be locked up? Right. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, like that's, you know, like and, and it's like, you know, or or it, it could get to the point of like, you know, does somebody who whistles at a lady when they cross the street like, dude, are you going to kill them now? Like, you know what I mean? Like there's there's like there's like degrees to it. Right. N nobody's saying that any of those things are like welcomed or good but but maybe maybe the the response to it doesn't isn't justified right like it's not like it's not like the punisher is gonna go around with a fucking gun and like mow down like all the construction workers that are whistling it like ladies that walk <laughs> across the street or whatever you know like isn't that that's kind of an extreme you know what i mean I'm, I'm trying to exaggerate but that's kind of an extreme response right but you could you could play devil's advocate and kind of go well is is the phantom writers mental manipulation and emotional manipulation of bobby does that justify you know like say outright killing him you know and it is to different people you might have different answers right like like you know so it's like that's not to me i i don't know that that's necessarily a black and white thing where it's like completely obvious and i feel like those charters with their you know the, these hard and fast rules it's like well you know like where where's the charter about you know well if they got raped then maybe it's cool to break rule a z and y or what you know what i mean like like that kind of thing or whatever but i, I don't know it i i guess it all gets kind of touchy you know but it's like they, they, they this is interesting because it's like the 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 
the subject matter is fairly heavy, but it's also kind of done in such a way, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things where, you know, you read it as a kid, and I'm not saying this is, like, comparable to Dark Knight Returns, but, I mean, I remember when I read Dark Knight Returns, like, I didn't get everything about it. Like, I didn't get, you know, Selena Kyle tied up and gagged and dressed up like Wonder Woman. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I didn't understand what all that meant when I was first reading the Dark Knight Returns, right? But it's like, now when you read certain things as an adult, you realize there's other you know, layers to it and ramifications that it's not, it's not all super simple, but the, 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 the gist of this issue is, you know, I don't know. There, there, there is a simplicity about the, the comic adventure itself that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't delve too deep into that arena where, you, you know, you can't, you know, I guess kind of like what you're saying, it doesn't, th- this, this causes drama and tension, but ultimately, I guess it doesn't, you know, in the long run, break the toys, right? Or, or I don't know, maybe you disagree. Like, did this, did, did this rift like ruin Hawkeye and Mockingbird as a couple, like forever, or is it? it was it just something that was good drama? It, I mean, it, it certainly is good drama. Like, and maybe I, I don't know, like. I think they, well, it's funny, like, we're talking about how, like, everyone's all happy except for them, but, like, mm-hmm. they eventually kind of reconcile, like, yeah. at least a little bit, and everyone else's lives go to shit, basically, <laughs> so it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's like reverse, like, like not karma, but, like, you know, like, the things go on an upswing, but then, you know, Mockingbird, quote-unquote, dies, so, like, you know, but, yeah, no, I mean, it's good drama, it's just, like, you know, Hawkeye's being really stubborn here and like, you know, and he's yeah. my boy and whatever, but I can admit like, you know, he's, you know, he's got to, you know, be a little more understanding than he's being. But I, I think I think this is like that that interesting period where like the Mr. Cap rubbed off on Hawkeye. Right. Like there's a little bit of that, the, the what you're calling stubbornness. You know, it's it's that it's that obstinance of Mr. Cap where it's like, no, things have to be this way, Mr. You know? And it's like, and, and it's, it's even more funny because he's like saying that to his wife. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's his wife, but he's like, we don't do that, Mr. You know, it's like, dude, you're like, dude, dude, Clint, that's your wife. <laughs> it's your wife. dude. We don't do that. Mrs. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I still, I, I still like this era. Like, I still like West Coast Avengers. I mean, it still yeah, is yeah. like, you know, Hawkeye's team, basically. So, I mean, yeah, despite certain people forgetting that. Mm. All right, is that is that? I mean, have we kind of set our piece on uh, on West Coast Avengers thirty seven? Yeah, I think I'm done. Okay. Well, we'll take a a brief commercial break, and then when we get back, we'll find out what issue Mike has brought to the podcast. Stay tuned. Imagine a podcast that celebrates the things we love. Why spend time being so angry and cynical about our fandoms? Join me, the Irredeemable Shag, for a show where we're just trying to be happy. The Once Upon a Geek Podcast. Our discussions focus on a variety of geeky subjects that we're passionate about. While the topics will be ever-changing, our focus will be on science fiction, comic books, what it means to be a geek in this world, and other nostalgia-fueled ideas. Life is short. Focus on the positive. Find your joy. 
the Once Upon a Geek Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome back. We hope you've enjoyed that commercial break. And now we're back, and I'll let Mike tell the listeners what issue, what comic book he brought for us to discuss in the second half of the show. I brought X-Men Adventures, Volume 1, Number 6, with a cover date of April 1993, written by Ralph Macchio, penciled by Andrew Wildman. And it's, you know, X-Men Adventures was the adaptation of the the 90s animated series, and I, I used to pick it up pretty regularly. Like, I mean, it's like, I guess I was the target audience for it because I was probably like nine years old at the time. But like, you know, it, it was I was basically buying the same story I saw on screen, like in a, as a comic book. So like and like, I, I don't know, like, I guess that just appeals to kids or whatever. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, buying storybooks of like movies or whatever. So I, I never made the connection until like, you know, I was way older and I could like, you know, like, uh identify artists and everything that like Andrew Wildman drew a whole load of these. And like, I was like, Oh yeah, Transformers. Like I was like, Oh man, that's the same dude. Like, you know, like, so that, that was always <laughs> like a, you know, a cool little thing to me, but uh, this is, I, I picked this issue in particular because of not only do I know I got it at a like supermarket or something, but uh, like, this is like the, I, I joked to you, like when we talked about like doing this show, it's like, this is the someplace cold issue. Yeah, it is. Like, the you know, it's cold the, issue. basically like, I'm, I'm not going to like, I didn't write a like detailed summary or whatever, but this is the, the story title is Northern Exposure, but it's an adaptation of the animated nineties episode of Cold Vengeance. Wolverine, he, he he's uh, feeling all like butthurt over Gene, you know, and Cyclops or whatever. So he goes like to a, uh, Canada to like you know uh, get away from it all you know he, he runs into like a little like village uh, and uh, he makes friends with them and Sabretooth like follows him and tries to like hurt his new friends and you know they fight and that was pretty much it but, yeah I mean this is um well I, I should say I feel like this is an adaptation of the same like script as the episode but like like yeah. there are uh, there are Fairly, differences. Yeah, there are differences yeah. in it. So, I mean, yeah. if you've seen Cold Vengeance, the episode, like, it, reading this would not be, like, redundant or anything. So. No, no, no. But, no. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, just, just for me, like, I, I was buying these because of Andrew Wildman in spite of the fact that I could watch these on TV. So, and, and I, I thought it was kind of, like, cool to see a different take on certain things i mean some of these were were much more strict to to the the tv script but th this is a good example of one that like i i kind of feel like this is an interesting animal because even though it's an adaption of the television episode that it, it you know it's not super strict and like if you if you combine like the elements of maybe both the comic and the TV series, you could like sort of kit bash like the best episode ever. You know what I mean? Like, like it, I, you know, I, I, I think the comic was allowed to get away with certain things that broadcasting standards wouldn't let them do on television, and you know, so there certain aspects of that work better. But then, like some some of the transitions in the comic are a little clunky because it's almost like they expected you to have seen the episode, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. Like, I, I think the biggest, like, change or difference between the, the, the episode and the comic is that, like, the Eskimo kid who, like, you know, Sabretooth, like... Kiowak! Yeah, Kiowak, uh, like, tricks into, like, betraying Wolverine or whatever, like, uh, like he... You know, he he redeems himself in the cartoon episode and like saves Wolverine and like his whole village and whatever. But in this comic, like Sabretooth just kills him. Yeah. Like and you know, so like that that's a like I I remember reading this in a kid and being like, you know, why did you know? Like I, obviously I was nine years old, but you know I was almost like you know, <laughs> you know, mommy, why is the man sleeping? Like you know, like or uh, whatever. It was like wow, like. I didn't expect him, you know, I thought I was like, oh, man, did he kill him? Like, oh, geez, like, I guess so, because, you know, he's lying face down in a puddle of his own blood or whatever at the uh, end. They, so. and they they have a funeral for him at the yeah. end, right? Uh-huh. Like, so, yeah. I mean, there's no, you know, it's not it's not like you can uh, uh, sweep it under the rug. I mean, Sabretooth rips his throat out and then and then and then they they bury him, basically. Right. Or, yeah. or have a funeral pyre for him or something. Right. Like, so. I, I really do like that panel where he, you know, Keywalk dies. Like, I, I think that's one of the best panels in the book. I really like that scene of Sabretooth, you know, basically taking the swipe at his neck or whatever. I, I mean, it, it's hard for me not to, like, kind of make jokes and stuff because, you know, like, I, I, I guess I want to preface it with this. I was trying to think about how to how to phrase this. It's like, I, I get it. Like you were nine. Right. And I get it. Like for plenty of people, this X-Men cartoon is how I look at the Super Friends cartoons. Like so I, I get the reverence. I get like the nostalgia, the 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 kind of uh, a child's love for these episodes. I was not a child. I was in high school. I could see all the animation flaws. I had a level of expectation where I think the reason some of the things I prefer about this comic is that the fights are more brutal. The fights have blood. Wolverine can use his claws on a person. Sabretooth can use his claws on a human being, right? And when they play this out in the cartoon, of course, it's Fox Kids. It's the height of the 90s. Broadcast practice and standards are maxed to the roof. It's like I always joke: Wolverine and Sabretooth are rolling around in the snow like lovers. They they don't actually have a fight. They just kind of roll around. They hold hands. Uh, Sabretooth gets like tossed into like bottomless caverns, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like there there's there's that thing. There's the question that I'll never have answered from the TV episode, which is what is a coward's luck exactly? Like, you know, Wolverine, <laughs> you have a coward's luck. I'm like I'm like, is a coward's luck good because he's always like running away from danger? Is that what he means by that? I don't know what that means. You know, I don't know what Sabretooth's idea of a coward is, but he calls them cowards for running to throw away the bombs that he plants for all the the uh the villagers you know the the eskimo and stuff like that and so like that 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 was one of those things where i thought the dialogue in this was a little better right like i think he has some line where he's like you got more lives than a cat you chump you know and i'm like well that makes sense to me right a cat has nine lives right like okay fine but i i don't know what a coward's luck is so that always confused me and stuff like that for 
and I, I assume this is for maybe budget or something uh, for animation, but like, you know, the the other thing I thought was interesting, and we didn't talk about this too much, but there's a there's a subplot with you know Gambit and Storm and Jubilee, and they're about to go to Genosha, and then they end up in Genosha, and this is them, I don't know, doing a semi undercover mission, but Gambit hears that that Genosha is welcoming to mutants, and he wants to go check it out, and they think it's going to be kind of like this cakewalk mission where they just go to the beach and you know, kind of suss out, you know, if, if the Genosians are really friendly to mutants, you know, little do they know, you know, they're going to be uh, uh, made slaves with collars and sentinels are going to pop out and all this other shit, right? Which happens, you know, further on in the TV series and in this comic. But for that sequence, when they go on vacation and for Sabretooth, I just wanted to point out the, the other thing that's kind of cool about this issue is Sabretooth has his own like civilian, you know, I don't know, snowsuit or whatever. Whereas in the TV show, he's just, you know, he's Jim Lee Sabretooth the whole time and doesn't doesn't have any special, you know, I don't know, Arctic wear or anything like that. And Gambit, similarly, uh, as usual, with the TV series, whether he goes to the fucking mall or he's going to Genosha on a vacation on the beach, he still wears his fucking, you know, pink and uh, whatever, you know, his, his trench coat and the whole, <laughs> the whole nine yards like it's fucking normal, right? He only has and, the one outfit. Right, he only has the one outfit, you know, because, I don't know, because they only have the one animation design or whatever the deal is. And, of course, in this comic, it's like, oh, well, he's, you know, he looks a little different, right? He's got, like, a cap, I think, and he's got, like, a little tank top and shorts and shit like that where you're like, oh, hey, like, that's, you know, and, and it's interesting in the comic, it's it's almost like they're just going on vacation, uh, I don't know. I mean, he brings it up in the comic, but it's interesting to me that, like, it's like they're going on vacation for fun, but then, like, I find it weird that, like, Gambit's surprised when the one the one blonde lady is like, you know, will you sign my petition for mutant regulation? And then he, he, he uh, kinetically charges her clipboard and, and poofs it in front of her, and it's like, well, if you were going there to suss out Genosha and how they treat mutants, like, y you might have had it in the back of your head that you might run into something like that, right? Like, I, I don't know, it just seems like, it seems like they're surprised and also they, they don't really, I don't know, it, it's funny to me. It's not like they make too much note of it. And if I was doing like a, you know, a stealth mission for Cyclops, I'd be like, Oh, here's my note is like, oh, there's plenty of people talking about mutant registration. So maybe this maybe this place isn't as friendly as we think, guys. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's a warning sign. But I guess I guess it's supposed to be like an obvious overt warning sign for the nine year old that's reading it. But like not for the protagonists, I guess. I yeah. Uh-huh. It's like and Gambit, don't wear your head sock. <laughs> Well, he's he's not in this. He's got a bandana. Yeah, that's right. yeah. They, you know? they, 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 even even like you know Jubilee like isn't uh, what do you call? Although I guess Jubilee's wearing her usual yellow trench. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean she's mostly Jubilee's wearing mostly her stuff. 
Well, the art, I mean, the Wildman art in this is really good. Like, I, yeah. I really, yeah, like, you know. You got, you what? got the, the, all the crazy, like, spittle that he's famous for. Yeah, like, yeah. I love that uh, stuff uh, where it's like, and, and again, that, that fight between him and Wolverine is much more, much more brutal in, in this, you know, like you, you get that kind of frenetic energy and, and, you know, uh, it's not like it's gory, but, but, you know, I mean, it is for kids, right? But, but you do get that idea with the, the splashes of, you know, like if Wolverine's colored red, you know, you get the idea that like they colored his whole body red to sort of give you the notion that blood is being spilled without it being graphic. You know, it kind of reminds yeah. me of, of how, you know, people tend to forget, but like to, to me, it, it always cracked me up where they, people would point to the violence in Watchmen and, and how brutal and graphic it is. But I'm like, if you actually read like the, the, the comic where Dan and Lori like beat the shit out of those guys in the alley, it's like, that's all colored in red. So there's there's a certain to me like it, it's like that notion of the color red is about anger. It's about violence, you know, and all that stuff. But there's a certain dilution to that, too, because it's not gory. It's not graphic, you know, and, and if you say if you watch the movie, right, it's not all it's not like they put a red lens in front of the camera and the movie it's just flat out, you know brutal right where there's bones popping and people are like Bleh! or whatever right and it's like there, there, there's a time and place for that and everything but uh, you know it did to me it's interesting because there's there's things you can do in comics where things can be violent but not necessarily be graphic and or gory and i think this this fight kind of touts that line you know yeah I, the, the one thing i'd criticize is like you know, like they say, like Sabretooth has kidnapped like the entire village and put them on this like bridge where there are explosives. But like there's only like like it looks like there's only like four or five people there. You know, you know what what is is heavily obscured from from this comic adaptation that that is is, I think, heavily emphasized in the television episode that I think gives much more motivation for Kiowak is is the female aspect of it like like you talk about how there's only like a couple people and it's like I, I don't think Wildman ever really truly draws any uh I'll, I'll just say you know Eskimo women right like and and what's funny is that's I, I think almost the primary reason why he he so easily gives into Sabretooth's kind of plot or plan because it, it, it's not just that he can fish better and he upstaged him in front of the other men. It's that he looked like a moron in front of the women. And to me, the underlining tone of that is, oh, all these Eskimo women are going to start betting Wolverine now instead of me. You know what I mean? And and it's like, it's very subtle, right? They don't They don't come out and say that in the cartoon, but in the cartoon, you can see women laughing at at Kiowak, and 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 you know that that's basically his male ego is is bruised enough that he doesn't think about the consequences of you know I guess you know temporarily allying with Sabretooth, and and in the the comic adaptation, I think that's that's largely overlooked, which is kind of why I mentioned 
kind of combining aspects of both of these, you know, like, like, like seeing Andrew Wildman draw maybe a cute, you know, Eskimo woman that laughs at, at Kiowak, you know, might have, have added a little more to that. And then I guess the other thing that this makes me think of is if you're going to be super, super comic nerdy, super Wolverine nerdy, like I'm like, dude, how did them Eskimo bros like uh, lift Wolverine on that blanket in the, the victory <laughs> fish celebration if he weighs like, you know, 900 pounds with his adamantium it's or whatever. Like, like like there should, be, there should be a scene where like they, like they, they, they try they try to lift him up once and he comes through and like he, he crashes through the fucking blanket <laughs> or something. You know, like, like, like how, on all of them. Yeah. They're all like crushed under him. Like, oh, yeah, like, how, how, how do you guys do that? Are, are you are you Eskimo bros? And, and, and there's there's that interesting aspect where um I think, you know, I think in the comic he he neglects like to identify himself as a mutant. Whereas I think in the TV show, they really play up the thing where he, he doesn't neglect that he, he, he self identifies as a mutant, but then the, 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 I guess for lack of a better term, the, the father, but away or whatever, like he, he, he doesn't quite understand what, what, what that means exactly. Whereas I think, you know, maybe the, the idea is Kiowak's, longing to go to the city like his dress is a little more you know especially in this like the comic it's like he's got the cap and the 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 t-shirt that says new york or some shit like that like that you get the idea like he's one of those guys that might not long for the old ways like he might actually want to move to the city type thing or whatever and and they kind of mention that in the television show by the end of it it's like oh all the young ones kind of wanted to stop doing this shit and now they have their wish or whatever, you know, like that, that kind of aspect as well, where, where I, I, I guess I'm, I'm not entirely sure what I'm getting at, but it's like in, in, in some versions of this, I feel like the mutant aspect was played up a little more. The, the announcement of it was more obvious in the television show, but the subtlety of it in the, the comic adaptation, like it makes you wonder, like, since Wolverine doesn't say the word mutant, like that, that could be another underlining fear of his, right? Like, like pretend Sabretooth wasn't even there, but like he made friends with these people and they liked him cause you know, he can get all these fish and they have a victory celebration, but imagine somebody discovered he was quote unquote, a mutant, you know? And then maybe even without Sabretooth, there would be certain, even though these seem like nice and good people, salt of the earth, maybe there's still that aspect that even even though there's good people in in this you know group or whatever this village like that that perhaps like the mere mention of the word mutant can turn people you know twisted and and crooked or whatever that they 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 go oh you're a mutant get the fuck out of my bed you know what i mean like that that kind of notion and so like i i I thought that seemed to contribute to wolverine's you know it it seems like he, he he always has that you know load on his shoulders or whatever you know and that that seemed to be an aspect that might have contributed to that where it's like even if he finds peace he always thinks like it's a false peace or the the the, the rug's about to get pulled out from under him or something like that yeah 
that that's very in character too yeah so but yeah like i you know i i have a fondness for this like entire series really mm-hmm. like i, I cause just just because of you know it's mostly andrew wildman art yeah. and like you know they do there are some things like in x-men adventures that are not in the cartoon that are like you know strike me as more mature or you know a little you know that they don't have to deal with as much like you know broadcast and standard censorship or whatever and i i think like you know even even like the dialogue is a little more you know wolverine can you know say say like you know you know you're stinking and flaming and you know all that like he didn't really he didn't really go that far like on the on the cartoon but right right just see you egg sucking piece of gutter trash like you know he's got a coward's luck and he's got a coward's luck, yeah. You have a coward's luck, Wolverine. But I did, like, you know, that the subplot, like you mentioned, I did like that bit where, you know, Gambit's, like, trying to, like, bait Cyclops, and he's like, you know, like, I say we just check out Genosha, like, you know, and you didn't want to tell the professor, but, like, here it is, like, it's out in the open. What do you think of that, like, Summers? <laughs> like, you know? And like, like, but it's great because like Cyclops is like, get out of my face, like Remy. And then like, you know, like Professor X is like, oh, Scott did tell me about it, like Gambit. So settle the fuck down, like you know. <laughs> I think in, I think in the 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 uh, TV show, it's just like a vacation sounds like a good idea. Get the fuck out of here, you know. It's like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying to remember because I can't. I'm like, did they? I'm I'm looking at it now. I'm like, did they cover this in in X Men the manga at all? Because it's been forever since I've read. Yeah, that, I'm but... just I'm I'm looking at it like it's not quite the same because it takes forever for them to get to. Because I'm 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 just flipping through it and I'm like, oh, it's like issue nine or ten, and Sabretooth still hasn't like betrayed them you know like when he fakes being hurt at the mansion so i'm like when do they i'm like do they ever get to cold comfort or whatever like here's wolverine being injured and then issue 10 is like morlock oh wait here it is x-men the manga issue 11 because it looks like wolverine's wearing a snowsuit on the cover of it so they did eventually cover this and then he's doing skiing like the TV show. So this is this is and Sabretooth's in his Jim Lee outfit, so it's much more like the TV show. And they they're they're kind of copying a lot of the dialogue, although it's more you know the fight's more manga esque and that kind of thing. Let me just I'm just curious about this. Yeah, see, and then they've got the little subplot with Gambit, and that's enough Gambit, you know, like. That's not a bad idea. We've been through some hard times recently. I think a break is just what our team needs. So they, they do the vacation thing. And then they got Kia Walk and all that stuff. Yeah, this 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 one, it's interesting. This one is much more, it seems, you know, much more strictly, you know, a- adapted from, from the, the cartoon. Almost like they... They made this after seeing the cartoon as opposed to like getting a script and maybe there were some tweaks made to it or whatever, you know, and it takes a lot longer, too. It's like, wow, this episode is just one episode, but it's like two issues of the 
the, the comic. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. you know? yeah. So it's like eleven and twelve. Yeah. Yeah, the man, the manga. I remember the manga stretches things out a lot more. Yeah. And I mean, there there are thirteen episodes in the first season of X Men, but then there are fifteen issues of X Men Adventures. So I know they stretched out a couple like episodes into two, but the manga I think is like what like twenty something issues of the first season, maybe. Yeah. 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 And it looks like in this, Kiowak survives in the the manga. So yeah, it's much more. It's much more strict. Ah. Yeah. But Interesting. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. hadn't I hadn't looked at that in a long time too. And I, I just thought of it. I was like, wait, I bet you the manga covers this too. So But yeah, like, you know, it, it, what do you call it? It's if if you like the animated series and you've never checked out X-Men Adventures, like it's a cool, like, you know, alternate yeah. interpretation of those like episodes. So like yeah. it's got pretty pretty good art most of the time i think wildman like draws at least like you know over half the issues so yeah yeah i i like all the wildman art i have fond memories of this i mean you know my my only caveat is i i probably bought a lot of these when i was either in high school or in my 20s you know like getting like just back issues for fun you know and stuff like that so it's like i i don't quite come to it with that childlike reverence you know but but i i have an appreciation especially i i almost think for me i appreciate the x-men adventures probably a little more than i appreciate the actual cartoon so <laughs> mm-hmm. this be some spread Gambit not gonna be playing solitaire tonight Gambit, what are you doing over here, talking to yourself in the third person? And what's all this food? Oh, Professor, Gambit have plans tonight. Once Cher shows up, Gambit gonna wine and dine her. Then we gonna listen to Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Fan Holes? I'll not have my school turned into a den of debauchery and science fiction trivia. No, Gambit. You'll just have to perform your obscene mating rituals elsewhere. Uh-oh. Sound like the professor getting a little cranky. Gambit think it's time for you to go to bed. What? What are you... Ow! Unhand me at once! Unhand me, you swamp-fed ignoramus! Ah! Relax, Mona me. Gambit just gonna tuck you in real nice. Ah, X-Men, emergency help! Ah, curse you, fan holes! Hey, don't mess with the fan holes! Weekly content on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fanholespodcast.blogspot.com That damn song is stuck in my head now. Thanks a lot, Pete Holmes. My mind! All right, well, I guess this is going to wrap things up. So if you guys have coward's luck, whatever that means, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the backlog of episodes over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. 
We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. And we are on Apple Podcasts. We can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, old friend, signing off. Hey, it's Mike, and uh, I'm going to throw your carcass into a glacier so I know where to find it when I come back. What does he say? It's like, so I can spit in your frozen eye or something, <laughs> like, you know. So we can so we can roll around in the snow like lovers. Yes. As is, <laughs> that's the, as was the style of combat at the time. <laughs> at the time. If it wasn't, if it wasn't Spider-Man butt humping you to death, it was, it was holding hands and rolling around in the snow. <laughs> I was like Wolverine's one weakness in the cartoon is snow. You know that scene where fucking Sabretooth throws the snow in his eyes? It's like, ah, my eyes! It's like, dude, it's fucking snow, man. Come on, what are you doing, Wolverine? <laughs>